My name's Shane, the youth pastor here at Rancho Baptist Church, and uh, got to meet another old youth pastor last night out at my uh, nephew's graduation party out in Orange County. His youth pastor comes in and says, hey, I've been serving in youth ministry for 10 years, and my wife so kindly says, mine's 12, and uh, no, but it was just fun to see youth pastors, you know, the longevity and consistency in ministry. Uh, we get to see just the work of the Lord moving and working in students' lives. It's, it's so true to see uh, when I had Austin Taylor at seven, seventh grade uh, in junior high, and now he's our junior high director. And so you get to see, the, you get to see the, the fruits of just God molding and shaping young men and women. Uh, I got to see Sadie Toupee and Becca came over to the house yesterday because her washer broke and they were bringing clothes because Becca, Becca Maya is serving up at uh, Forest Home this summer up the mountain. And uh, it's neat to see, and I know it's even greater to see your own flesh and blood kids serving the Lord, right? Or, or f- pursuing Him. But as a, as a youth pastor, to see these young ones who have come up through junior high and high school, to see them serving the Lord is, is, is a pretty uh, awesome, unique experience. And I praise the Lord and thank Him for that. Um, it's my privilege this morning just to bring you the Word. Um, Happy Father's Day, right? And uh, what, a, what a great thing it is to be, to be a dad. What an amazing role uh, a lot of us have as fathers, right? Um, to, may we take our role seriously as we shepherd and lead our families to the great shepherd each day. Um, I take that role seriously. And yet I also understand, too, that t- today can be a pretty hard day for some of us. You know, dads who have passed on... Um, and there's just a lot of things that can happen, too, where today's a hard day for some of you. And I want to recognize that. And I, and I hope that the message this morning brings great comfort to you as you draw near to your Heavenly Father uh, this morning and are reminded of our relationship with Him. So I want to recognize that. And I also want to just say to you this morning, just some personal things. Uh, thank you, RBC family, just for seeing me and my family through the last year and a half of uh, graduating from Talbot Seminary with my master's in theology and and uh, it's been a it's been a neat I, I tell you to have a family ministry and then to add some book work and test work on top of that uh, I just want to say thank you to allow me to do that and to see me through that um, a lot of you guys have been helping a lot in that so you might want be wondering why Abby's not there she was sick that day and uh, so she wasn't able to make it. <clears throat> But what a season life of ministry has been for me and my family. Um, these are the three kids that have made me a dad, and I thank the Lord for them. Micah, 11, Abby, 9. Well, she will be 9 this Friday. I'll call her 9. And then Caleb is 5. And uh, our family got to go to Yosemite and enjoy that time uh, after graduation. Um, just It was a, a blessing to be up there for our first time, seeing God's creation. Um, but I am blessed to be a dad. Take that role seriously. And I'm blessed by the family that the Lord has given me, even by this guy. Um, we, we had two normal kids, and then this guy came along. And, uh, and I say that because his dad's not normal, and yet we had to have one that wasn't normal as well, like his dad. And so Caleb, Caleb would be the kid where you know, your, our oldest two, Mike and Abby, would be around our legs, if you guys remember, when they were younger. They were terrified of people, not of people, but just shy. And uh, they would be around our legs. We're kind of encouraging them to get out to say hi to people. Caleb, 
Where is he? He's schmoozing around the plaza, talking with people at church. And I'm thinking, this is a crazy little kid. And uh, so, praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> Thank the Lord for him. He, uh, he definitely keeps laughter going in our family. And so... But then again, I also want to thank God, our great shepherd of his church, who has um, so graciously given us a, a new senior pastor, Jason Swanson. Last Sunday, we voted him in. Praise God for that. And uh, what an amazing answer to a lot of our prayers. And I'm excited for, for how the Lord is, is working in and through our church family. And we'll talk about that more. You'll see this theme. It's our church family this morning. And we'll continue to do God will continue to do so as we look to Christ, the head of his church. God is so good and faithful to us. Amen. Amen. Rachel, welcome back from Brazil. Saw you just now, front row. Rachel was gone to Brazil for a year. Sorry, that caught me off guard. Good to see you, Rachel. Welcome home. Let me pray for us this morning as we get in the word. And uh, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, you are so good to us. And Lord, I pray that your word will go forth in power to change us into the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, that your word would also encourage and admonish, train, train us, Lord, to be like your Son. Father, what a privilege it is to call you our Heavenly Father through Christ. And I pray that you be glorified, high and lifted up and honored this morning. Lord, we love you. And we thank you so much for your great love for us. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you remember last week, Pastor Jason preached on Philippians 4, 6 through 7. I'm going to ask you guys to turn to Matthew, chapter 6, verse 9. I have the sniffles this morning. Apologize for that. Just praying the Lord would help me get through this morning. Matthew 6, verse 9, but before we get there, Pastor Jason spoke, Philippians 4, and encouraged us through God's Word not to what? Worry. Worry. Not to worry or become anxious. When we are tempted to be anxious, we are instructed to offer up prayers with thanksgiving to our God. Hopefully you've done that this week. I became anxious as I was preparing for the sermon, giving those things up to the Lord, asking Him to be glorified and exalted, and also thanking Him for the opportunity as well to bring His Word. I was encouraged too and reminded through Philippians 4 verse 5 that the the Lord is near, as we saw last week. The Lord is near and the Lord is at hand. I was encouraged to rejoice in the Lord of my salvation and be reminded of His nearness. And the Lord even this week encouraged my heart, encouraged my heart to come to Him in prayer with thanksgiving and pour out my specific requests to Him. I was thanking God for the peace He so faithfully gives us as we draw near to Him. That peace that surpasses all understanding that we read last week. Not only does God give us peace, but He also gives us right thinking as well. And this morning I want to focus on how we need to approach the Lord through prayer. We were exhorted last week to come to the Lord in prayer when we're anxious and worried. But how do we approach Him? What does Scripture say? And as you guys are in your Bibles, Matthew 6 verse 9 it's a familiar passage for us, right? So we don't want it coming in one ear out the other and going, hey, been there, heard that. Many non-Christians have heard these words and I'm sure have recited them as well. It's the Lord's Prayer. We find ourselves in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is instructing His followers how to pray. And every time that Jesus was around, you have the crowds and the followers around Him. 
And so they were listening as well. Matthew 6, 9. Our Father who is in heaven. And then we'll stop right there this morning. That's the title and the passage of our scripture this morning. Our Father who is in heaven. Right? You must be thinking this morning, Shane, I know how to pray. Do we really? Do we really know how to pray? And this morning, I want us to be thinking, how do we approach God? How do we approach God? And another question that I was asking myself is, why don't we pray more? Why don't we pray more? And why don't we approach God and go to Him more in prayer? Right? We're going to look at at two aspects that describe our great God and King this morning. In your bulletins, you can turn to the back, and there's some fill-ins for you there. If you want, if you like that. <clears throat> Two aspects of our great God. Number one, that God is our Father. We're going to look at that clearly this morning. That God is our Father. He is near. And, and God is imminent. That word just meaning that He is intimately near or at hand as we approach Him in prayer. Just the truth of that. So the first aspect we're going to look at of our great God. God is our Father. He is near. God is imminent. And the second aspect we'll look at God is our Father who is in heaven. That He is not like us. And that God is transcendent. And that word transcendent meaning that He is superior and supreme. He is the one that deserves all worship and glory and honor and praise as our great Heavenly Father. Yes, we are created in His image and we do share some of His characteristics, right? But we are fallen and He is perfect and holy. We have limits. He is limitless. He is holy and just and the one true living God. He is not like us. Like Psalm 50, verse 21 says, These things you have done and I have been silent. The Lord speaking here. You thought that I was one like yourself. We want to understand that God is not like us. We need sleep, right? I know I do. We need sleep. We need to recharge. God does not. Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And in this one verse, Matthew 6, 9, we will see the balance of God's glory and our need. So we're going to see the balance of God's glory and then our need for Him. So God... Our Father. God is our Father. And Father is probably the most common term we use in prayer, right? How many of you guys have used that this this week? Our Father, right? Our Father. We're coming to you. Our Heavenly Father. And rightly so, that's the pattern that Jesus set for us. And even in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we see Jesus giving us this relationship with His Heavenly Father 17 times. Your Father who is in heaven. Your Heavenly Father. Your Heavenly Father. And so I think, 
that's good for us to focus on. Lord, how are we approaching you as our Heavenly Father? Yet, you are our God who is in heaven. And we have many examples in the Old Testament where God reveals His love and care as a father to His chosen people Israel. You can write these down. I didn't put them up here. There'll be more and more scripture as we go. Deuteronomy 32.6 where God is called the father of the nation of Israel. It says, Your father who created you, who established you. And so God, even in the Old Testament, wants to make clear with His chosen people Israel that this is a father relationship. Father-son, father-daughter, father-child relationship. Isaiah 63.16 You are our father. Isaiah 64.8 says the same. Jeremiah 3, multiple times throughout that chapter, says God is a father to Israel. And yet prayer should always begin with the recognition that God is what? Our Father. God is our Father. The One who gave us life and who loves for, cares for, provides for, and protects us. That's our Heavenly Father. The fact that God is our Father means that only believers in Christ are children in His family. So what about unbelievers? What about those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? What about those who are not trusting in Christ alone for salvation and forgiveness of sin? Is God their Father? Scripture makes it clear that God is the Father of unbelievers, but only by virtue of being His creation. You hear that? But spiritually, unbelievers have another Father. And that's clearly seen in Scripture. Keep your finger in in Matthew 6-9. Turn to John 8, verse 42. In His severest condemnation of the Jewish leaders who opposed Him, Jesus spoke clearly who their Father was. John 8, verse 42. We want to make a clear distinction here. Not everybody can call upon God as their Father as we read here in Matthew 6, 9 this morning. John chapter 8, verse 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would, you would love Me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me. Verse 43. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You guys see that clearly? I'll keep on going. 1 John 3, 8-10 clearly characterizes two families. Two families. The children of God and the children of the devil. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, 
nor is the one who does not love his brother. And the Apostle Paul makes this pretty clear in Ephesians 5.8. He makes the distinction between the children of light and the children of darkness. He says this, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Do you guys see the difference there? Darkness, light, children of the devil, children of our Heavenly Father. Scripture makes that clear. Even in 2 Peter 1.4, says that only those who believe have been made partakers of the divine nature. Only those who know Christ, you may become partakers of the divine nature. And first, or John 1.12 says, Jesus is the one who gave us the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. That we've been given the right to become children of God, but for those who believe in His name, right? For those who have come to faith. And now we can go to God as His beloved children. Is that not sweet to you this morning? That you can approach your Heavenly Father as His child adopted into His family? That is just a a huge, huge promise for us. The fact that Jesus says that God is our Father shows that we are also part of a spiritual family. Look around this morning, right? Look around at all these eclectic, this eclectic group of people. You look around and you go, Lord, I've been adopted into this spiritual family where now the Scripture says, you call one another brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's how we need to be seeing one another, as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are in this together, aren't we? God has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, but He's called you to be involved in a family of believers who take care of one another, who love one another, who cry out to our Heavenly Father together in prayer. To be a Christian is to be a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. By God's grace and His grace alone are we adopted into the body of Christ so that our most fundamental spiritual identity is not an I, but a we. You guys hear that? There's no individualistic, you know, this culture in the, in the church. It, it, it's an I. It's not an I anymore. It's a we in the church body, the church family. I love that. This runs against the grain of our fallen nature that we still battle with. And it also runs against the grain of our American individualism. Jesus teaches us to drop the I and to start with what? Our Father. Our Father. We're doing this together. And real quick, I want, I want to remind us of the beautiful doctrine of adoption. I know you guys are like waiting for that filling. You're like, you skipped one. The beautiful doctrine of adoption And uh, some of us have experienced being adopted by an earthly father and or mother. Praise God for that, right? I just want to give you guys a little bit of a taste. I've tasted that in my life. I grew up in a a family in in Orange County in Huntington Beach. I I have an older sister who's five years older than me. Her name's Shannon. And uh, when I came on the scene, she was five. And uh, by the time I was old enough to know what was going on, about four or five. Uh, it was my mom taking care of both me and my, my sister Shannon. 
And uh, we, she had a, my mom never married, was with a guy, had my sister. He left before she was born. My mom was with another guy, wasn't married, had me. He left before I was born. And, and yet, we've, we've experienced the beautiful uh, earthly adoption through my dad, Ron, who, he's been here. He comes about six or eight times a Sunday. Uh, on a Sunday uh, throughout the year here at Rancho Baptist Church, he and my mom. But I thank the Lord for him, that he would even adopt me and my sister at a 10 and 5-year-old. As a 10 and 5-year-old, that is un- unheard of. His family went from, he went from 1 to 4 by marrying my mom. And yet we took his last name. He adopted us as his very own. And those things that that my dad taught me even to this day how to balance my checkbook, how to drive a stick, how to you know do all these things. You know, you're like, I thank the Lord for for my dad adopting me. I, and I take that pretty. I mean, I take that pretty seriously. My dad took on a five year old and a ten year old. What? And then we had my younger brother, right? But I, I thank the Lord for adoption. And I'm so thankful that my dad married my mom, adopted me and my older sister, and made us his own kids. And yet spiritually for us as believers, we have a spiritual adoption, don't we? There's even a greater adoption every Christian experiences in Christ alone. And for those who are in Christ, we've been adopted by God. Isn't that awesome? And so every day we can approach Him as our Father who is in heaven. And we go, Lord, it's it's your Son again, right? Lord, it's your daughter that you've adopted in your family once again through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that I can come to you on those grounds. Thank you. Scripture attests to this. Ephesians 1, 4-5 In love He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Galatians 4, 4-5 But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Romans eight fourteen to 17 For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. We can only relate to God as Father because we have received the Spirit of adoption. So the question is this morning, have you received the Spirit of adoption? Through Christ. Have you been given the Spirit? Our Father has adopted us through His Son, in His Son, and to His own glory. It just baffles my mind. And these truths also remind us that we do not approach God's throne in prayer because we have the right in and of ourselves to do so. That right ended in Genesis 3 with sin. When sin entered the world. Only by God's grace and mercy through the atoning work of Christ do we now have the right to stand before the God of all creation and speak the words, Our Father 
who is in heaven. Excuse me. The word Father Father also says something about God's disposition towards us. We were once enemies, now in Christ. God loves us no less than He loves His own Son. Is that amazing? We once were enemies, now we're loved. Just as God the Father loves His Son, Jesus Christ. John 14, 21, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. What a great love, isn't that? In John 15, 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. That's that nearness. That relationship that God desires with him as we come to him as our, as our Father, and yet we must come to him as our Father who is in heaven. Not only is he imminent, he is near, he's at hand, he's intimately acquainted with all of our ways. He wants us to draw near to Him, right? And He will draw near to us, but we also have a Father who is in heaven. And our text this morning not only emphasizes God's imminence in calling Him Father, but also His transcendence by referring to Him as God Almighty, the Holy One. We serve our great God who rules and reigns from on high who is sovereign over all creation. Nothing escapes His gaze. He's not surprised by anything. He has everything we need as we approach Him daily through prayer. Our Father who is in heaven. This mention of God's transcendence is a reminder that God is distinct from His creation. He draws near. He's very near to us. But He is not like us. Praise God for that. That He is not like us. That he isn't evil. He's, he's never, ever, ever had a sinful thought or deed. We come to the one who's holy and set apart. And yet, even as we sing this morning, he is more than enough. He's more than enough. He's all that we need. This transcendence of God is emphasized time and time again in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 4, 39. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart. I love that saying, by the way. That the Lord is God in heaven, above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. May we lay the scripture we're learning this morning, may we lay it upon our hearts this week. I love that. Lay it to your heart that the Lord is God. Deuteronomy 33:26. There is none like God, O Jeshurun, who rides through the heavens to your help through the skies in His majesty. Psalm 97, 9. For you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. In Ecclesiastes 5, 2, Solomon connected our understanding of the transcendence of God to the proper practice of prayer. He wrote, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Not that we can't come to God and pour out our hearts before Him, but know who you're coming to. Our Father who is in heaven. Our knowledge of of who God is should shape our prayers by reminding us that prayer is a humble and reverent privilege 
to come before the one who knows all things. This is why I believe that it's so important for us. One of the most helpful things that we can do as believers is to pray scripture. Have you ever done that before? You read scripture and then you pray it back to the Lord, making it your own. Uh, even this week as I was seeking the Lord, he brought me to Psalm 138, 1 through 3. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. So what did I do? I gave him thanks with my whole heart. Coming before him, before the gods, I sing your praise. So what did I do? I sang his praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. I gave him thanks for his steadfast love and faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. I needed this this week. And as I drew near to my heavenly Father in prayer, I prayed these things back to Him. Praying back Scripture to Him. And we cannot take any credit for the things we know about God, right? J.I. Packer speaking of prayer, says this, Men who know their God are before anything else men who pray. And the first point where their zeal and energy for God's glory come to expression is in their prayers. If there is little energy for such prayer and little consequent practice of it, this is a sure sign that as yet we scarcely know God. How well do you know your God? How do you approach Him in prayer? Do you cry out to Him? Our Father who is in heaven, do you understand that all resources come from Him? Everything that you and I have, everything that you and I experience comes from His hand. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. All those blessings come from Him. Commentator Arthur Pink wrote, wrote this. I'll read this for us this morning. If God is in heaven, then prayer needs to be a thing of the heart and not of the lips. For no physical voice <clears throat> on earth can rend the skies, but sighs and groans will reach the ears of God. If we are to pray to God in heaven, then our souls must be detached from all the earth. If we pray to God in heaven, then faith must wing its petitions. How are you drawing near to the Lord? When we begin our prayers by calling on our Father who is in heaven, you express your eagerness as His child, one, to honor Him as our Father, but just go, Lord, I just need you. I need you. And to know that God, you have His ear, his power and his eternal blessing to the request of his children, if it serves them best, because everything will be done according to God's will, and further reveals his purpose and his glory. So some truths to keep in mind this week. <clears throat> As you and I go to our Heavenly Father in prayer, we can address God as our Father. Is that not encouraging this morning? You, you address Him as son and daughter adopted into His family only if we have put our faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation. Non-believers, once again, can only address, address God as, as Father, but only from a creation standpoint. 
as Creator and them as creation. Number two, we must address God as the Almighty and Sovereign King. How big is your God that you're addressing every week? Right? How big is your God that you're running to with all the cares, with everything that's going on in your world? How big is your God? And yet He, he says, come to me. I'm your, your Heavenly Father. The one who is in heaven, we must realize that God is set apart and he is not like us. Don't bring him down to our level. If anything, God, don't even come down to my level. I want to go to where you are. I want to have my mindset on things above where you are. I want to go into your throne room of grace. Don't come down to me. I can approach now him and his throne of grace. Praise God for that. Who are we drawing near to? Let's all stand. I, I did this last time I preached. Just a benediction. As, let's all stand this morning <clears throat> before we end our time in song together as a family and also the giving of our tithes to the Lord this morning. Just a benediction from the Word and encouragement to you this week from Hebrews 4, 14-16. And may this Scripture just encourage your hearts this morning about who you're coming to and the the, the amazing benefit we have to approach God. Hebrews 4, 14-16 Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There should be another one there. Let me... No, no, that was it. Let me read that again. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing <clears throat> amazing benefit we have, Lord, to draw near to you as your sons and daughters, adopted into your family through your grace and mercy. Father, it's an understatement to say this right now, but we need you. Father, I, <clears throat> I think some of us don't even realize how much we do need you, Lord. Father, would you show me my need for you this week? today, this afternoon. Father, you are our Heavenly Father. And may we come to you as such. Realizing that beautiful doctrine of adoption, Lord. And may we approach your throne of grace with such confidence because of what our great High Priest, Jesus Christ the Righteous, has already done for us. By paying the debt we can never afford, Lord and by giving us access to your throne room. I pray that we'd approach you, Lord, with everything this week. Thank you so much for being our great Heavenly Father. In Christ's name we pray. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. And here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon, or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 
or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord, and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.